Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Join us as we go behind the limelight. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Behind the Limelight. I'm Raider Nick. And once again, joined by the media boys, Benny Pollock, Tommy Logan. G'day, gents. How are we? Yeah, very good. Thanks, uh, Nick. Uh, aside from the obvious... Uh, pain that every Raiders uh, member and fans feeling after the loss on Friday night against Cronulla, but um, as we mentioned uh, earlier this week, we've uh, trying to put it past us and move on to the storm. It's pretty tricky. We're still talking about it, and it's now. Well, it's not Wednesday. just us that's talking about yeah. it. It's been covered quite extensively over the past few days. It's first on all the magazine shows. It's still front back page of the newspapers. We'll touch on that loss against the Sharks. We'll also preview the big match against the Storm on Amy Park, the Round 20 clash. A very special Forever Green this week. A guy that started his career here but ended up elsewhere. He was kind enough to have a chat about his wonderful time at the Canberra Raiders and uh, plenty of stuff happening. So stick around for this podcast. Wherever you're listening, come join us as we go Behind the Limelight. there at uh, what I call Shark Park. The Sharks 28, the Raiders 24. Now, look, 22-6 at half time. I reckon the boys showed plenty of character to turn it around. They did everything what their coach suggested they should do. They got within a whisker. But unfortunately, that game's going to be just scarred by what happened. Benny, it's still a bitter pill to swallow, to be honest. I still haven't digested that. In all yeah, honesty, well, you're right. There was a it was a bit of fun to take, but um, like as the as the coach and the and the captain on the night said, uh, you, you can't be 22 six down in a game and blame referee decisions. However, uh, the team did come out in the second half and put in a performance that was probably good enough to win that game. So I suppose the frustration stems from that. Uh, the fact that we were cost to try at one end uh, with the ref blunder and the bunker blunder, and then uh, to have it turn around the other end um, and then be denied a try. Uh, ourselves through what was uh, deemed as not a forward pass um, in the postscript of the game um, is, you know, essentially a 12-point turnaround. But look, I've seen lots of uh, opinion on this either side of the of the ledger, um, and obviously um, there was mistakes made by the match officials. But um, you know, who's to say we would have won and won that won that match anyway? But it definitely had a bearing on the situation. There's no doubt about it. What hurts the most is in those situations when you're playing catch-up footy, Tommy. Everything needs to go your way. The bounce of the ball needs to go your way. And we got to 22 to 18, all the ascendancy. The good thing about it is we're actually good enough and showed character to get another try, which as Benny mentioned, alluded to, it was knocked back. It was a 12-point turnaround. And at the end of the day, we lose the game. Yeah, first and foremost, obviously, Shark Park's a really tough place to go to, uh, whoever, you, whoever you are playing for. Um, but I thought when the boys came out for the second half, you know, they were... They really, whatever Rick said to them in the dressing room, obviously worked. I mean, I could hear Sam Williams barking instructions from the media box. Uh, Joey Leilua, I thought he had a really outstanding game, and even Blake Austin with his quick tap and go really sort of sparked that comeback. And I think, like you were saying, just that decision, uh, the, the try that was awarded to the Sharks, that just came at that crucial time when I think we were 22 18 up and really pushing to get back back in front of the game. I think that the thing that hurts the most is that uh, <clears throat> you, could, you could probably take a, a loss towards a bad decision, but when you get two of them back-to-back and then you look at the context of where you are in your season, that becomes a, a bigger disappointment for you, knowing that um, you're now six points adrift of the eight. Um, and that's, only our, that's our fault. I mean, we should have won more games than what we have so far. We haven't, we haven't been good enough um, so far in, in close games. But... Um, 
you know, when when you're trying to keep a team motivated to perform over the past last few weeks and have the uh, ability to try and push for the finals, then then decisions like that definitely knock you around a bit. Another massive assignment for the boys they take on. The team coming first at the moment, the reigning champs, the Melbourne Storm over there at Amy Park. Now, Jay Tarpany back in the team, Benny. That's going to be a massive injection for us. Yeah, it's a huge inclusion. There's no doubt about it. Joe um, brings plenty to this team, aggression-wise, uh, and also skill. He's, he's, a, he's a wonderful talent, um, and he has the ability to to cover off a number of positions. So having Joe back is, is fantastic. Uh, take nothing away from Jack Murchie. I thought his debut performance against the Sharks, Tom, was outstanding. Yeah, I thought he didn't really put a foot wrong, you know, the poor kid. Um, obviously, I'd love to see him get another chance um, sometime again this season, but obviously having Joe back this week is obviously a massive inclusion for us. Like you said, Benny, brings a lot of aggression. Um, yeah, I think it would be probably a welcome addition back. If you talk about newspaper clippings to save for your debut, Jack Matt, you'd have a bloody a bucket full of them <laughs> after that one. Look, it's must win. We can't afford to lose anymore. Um, let's be serious. Must win. <laughs> we play that they're probably the best team in the competition, but we've got a good record down here. We like going to Melbourne. Oh yeah, it's not too bad. We've had a had a pretty so and so the last couple of years. We lost the prelim in sixteen. We um, didn't have a great performance down there last year in the last round. That was probably one of our our worst performances of the season. So look, the guys have got plenty to play for by going down there this weekend. Yeah, we've got to win six straight. There's no doubt about it. You can't sugarcoat it. We're going to have to win every game now and, and hope for some, some results to go our way. Yeah, I think the team's going to be hurting quite a lot. Um, obviously, they'll be really focused on putting in a massive shift against the Storm down in Melbourne. So I think I reckon the boys will probably come out pretty firing. How good are the Melbourne Storm, though? They just continually keep on performing well. I mean, they, they're they in line in probably a three-horse race to win another minor premiership. And they're doing it without their, their star halfback, Cooper Cronk. They're... They're a very, very good football team, and obviously um, having Cameron Smith during that origin period has really helped them, and, and once again, he's going to be the danger for us on on Saturday night. I mean, his, his work around the ruck and the way that he gets the team around the field, um, we really need to focus on shutting that down. Otherwise, um, it could be a, a tough performance. It was Craig Bellamy. It's just everyone's a Craig Bellamy project. He just, he just keeps unleashing these players. They haven't even had a finalised half. They haven't really replaced Cronk yet. And they're still coming first. Haven't flexed their muscle, I think which is it, a scary success thing. Success breeds success, and obviously yeah. the, the guys down there believe uh, in their systems and what they're doing. And, and you know what, we're not far away from that. If, if we have a, if we can, we've seen when we string performances together that that, that builds confidence, and um, it's just a matter of us being able to to string a few together and build that, and you know. Whether or not we make the finals this year, it's important for us to finish this year strong because we need to bounce into next year um, with some confidence because we're losing a few players. There's going to be a few changes to the roster. Um, we need to um, show these guys that are coming into our squad that we mean business in 2019. And not to say that this year's finished, but uh, we definitely need to finish this year strong. Tommy, our coach and the Melbourne coach are good mates. They always do a bit of a, a shout who the winner is. Hopefully it's uh, Craig Bellamy's shout this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think Rick's probably due um, for one over Craig. So hopefully this comes this week and they can you know probably just spark a, a big late finish for the Green Machine. The boys going up early this week? No, heading down after the, the training session on Friday. So um, obviously um, getting down there um, in preparation uh, for the Saturday night game. It's a bit, a bit of a later kickoff, so there's no point getting down there too early. They'll have a run here on Friday afternoon, uh, Friday morning, sorry, and head down in the afternoon. Big game. Now making his second appearance on the Behind the Limelight podcast for 2018, Mr. Sammy Williams. G'day, Sammy. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Let's go straight into, look, last Friday night. Look, the officials have come out and said they've made a wrong decision. 
post game? How does that make you feel now, knowing that it was wrong? Yeah, obviously, we, there's been a lot of lot of talk about it. Um, to be fair, we didn't need them to tell us that. We knew it was the wrong decision down the field. So, um, I guess it just confirmed what we what we all knew. But um, we put ourselves in a bit of a position there where we started pretty poorly, and we, we've got to take ownership ourselves there too. It's a, it's a really easy out to blame the referees all the time, and they got that decision wrong. But there's um, 80 minutes in a game, and, and we didn't put ourselves in the best position to win it in the first place. So, you know, as I said, it's easy to blame the referees. But we've got to be better in a lot of areas ourselves. Did you did you see the flag go up? Yeah, I saw it out of the corner of my eye, and I I sort of kept moving, but then. Beto, had, um, he sort of mentioned that it, the flag was up and he, he knew full well that it was up as well and it was just one of those things that um, we were all pretty confident they'd get the decision right and, and then it didn't happen. Did anyone tell the ref on, on the field that they saw the flag go up or was it just sort of one of those things that you thought, oh, that'll get picked up? No, I'm pretty sure a couple of the boys mentioned it. Um, I, I wasn't too sure. I thought, it was an, I thought the knock-on was called anyway, so I, I wasn't too worried about going and, and mentioning it, but I think, I think it was mentioned to the referee. That's what hurt so much. Beside the flag going up, there, surely there was a knock-on in that in that play there that led to the try. Well, as I and said the earlier, it was hard to. Con- there was no conclusive evidence. Look, I don't want to sound like a whinger here, but the the, the no conclusive evidence is the thing that really sparked this whole thing because, they, as I said, they send it up as no try. We had one um, earlier in the year where Shannon Boyd. Um, was sent up as try, and there was no conclusive evidence that he didn't ground the ball, and it was disallowed. Now, thankfully, in that game, we are already up by plenty. It didn't cost yeah. us a game, but um, that could have as well. Absolutely. When you're down 22-6 at halftime, you need everything to go your way, and it looks like exactly what your coach said it to you at halftime. He's responded accordingly. He got back into the game. He had all the ascendancy. How does that hurt you? Because, I mean, it was a double blow because you were good enough to show some character and spawn with a try, that only to get called back as well. Yeah, it was. And, um, Sorry to keep bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought, I, I thought I'd moved on from this, but um, <laughs> no, we, we, um, I, think, I think throughout the whole year that the character within the squad's been fine and that hasn't been an issue. No one's ever um, walked around kicking stones or, or thought about too much about what's previously gone on. It's, um, that's one thing about this side, that we, we do show a lot of character um, right for that 80 minutes, but... Yeah, obviously we went down the other end and there was a, another call that was probably um, tough one on us. But once again, there was, there was time in that game to still win it and, and we did everything we could, but unfortunately it wasn't enough. Talk about kicking stones, let's talk about kicking goals. You kick four from four. Now, people might not believe this, but up until I think it was half an hour before the game, you guys still hadn't decided who was actually going to kick. You and Oste were tossing up between the two of you. How did you come to the decision that you would take the goals? Yeah, we did a little bit of kicking both um, on the Wednesday and the, and the captain's run as well and, and had a, um, a bit of a shootout. And, and to be fair, we all hit them fairly well. Uh, we had Brad Abbey there as well who hit a few goals and, and Jordan Rapana, he puts his hand up for everything. So <laughs> we had to knock him out of the equation pretty quickly. But um, it's one of those things, I think the goal kicking, it's... You can get away with kicking, you know, on the night I kicked four from four, but I think the consistency that, that's shown by Jared and, and Aiden over a long time, that's what makes you a real outstanding goal kicker. I do the goal kicking because it's needed by the team at that, at that time, but it's not something I actively chase. So, uh, you know, if there was a standout goal kicker that really wanted to do it, um, I would have been happy not to, but at the time it was the best thing for the team for me to kick the goals. So so was it your decision to take the, the shots? Did it come down to your call? Yeah, effectively, I sort of <laughs> read Osto's body language and he was fairly happy for me to have it as well. It was blowing the goal out there, so I don't think <laughs> anyone was, was too actually, keen yeah. on it. So we, um, it was just 
it was just one of those things you just take take upon yourself and make sure that you um you do the best you can. You just kind of caress the ball through the post there, almost like uh, you're kicking in general play. Is that the kind of approach you take there, Sammy? Yeah, I, I try not to overkick the ball. Um, I've um I've done enough practice that I know my my kicking fairly well. Um, I spoke to Jared a little bit about it as well. Um, he was really good, just sort of leading into the game and a few thoughts and. Not to rush it, it's, um, I guess it's probably one of those things, I, sometimes I just go back and put the ball in the tee and try and kick it, but you, you really need to try and compose yourself a little bit, and so I had a little bit of a think about that, and um, and, and just lucky that I struck them well. And Jared's out for the rest of the season, Aiden's um, nursing a hamstring injury, uh, which you'll probably carry for a few games even when he comes back, does this mean that you'll you'll probably take it on for the remainder of the season or will things change game to game depending on how you hit them? Yeah, I'd, um, I'd like to think that I could, could do a job for the team if need be, but um, hopefully once Aiden's back and if he's right to play, hopefully he'll be right to kick goals as well. So um, if he's not if he's not confident in his um, in his body in doing that, then I'll certainly continue to do it. But as I said earlier, it's one thing to kick four from four one night, but the consistency that those boys show over a long period of time, that's what makes them exceptional goal kickers. Mentally, how do you turn the disappointment of Friday night around quickly and move into Melbourne this weekend? Obviously, um, they're... They're leading the competition again. They're, they're playing some really strong and tough footy, and you guys have got to try and put what happened on the weekend behind you and move on. Yeah, look, it's. I think I think we were lucky that we had the weekend there after the game to, to try and get away from rugby league and um, get away with your family and and do um, do things that weren't rugby league related because of, it was a tough loss, but. We had a couple of days to get away from the game and um, try and come back in here now and, and regroup. And um, I think it's, it's a big enough game. I think getting up for Melbourne in Melbourne, if you if you can't get up for a game like that, then you're kidding yourself because it's a, it's a massive task. It's probably the, the toughest road trip in the NRL. So I think all the boys are fairly excited to get down there. And we know that if you're um, only 1% or 2% off your game, then, then they're going to beat you. So we've got to make sure we go down there with a good attitude. And, and I know we will. One more thing on last week before we move yeah. on. <laughs> you can't move on, can you? I'm still fine. Rick came out and said in the um, the media the next day that was probably the most somber feeling he's had being involved in an NRL club post game. The bus drive home. What was it like? Was it that quiet? Was it that depresso on the way home? Yeah, it was. Um, it was fairly tough. There, was, there wasn't. There wasn't um, a lot of laughing and giggling, even. Um, even when you've got some of the boys in in the group who are fairly laid back characters, even they they took it pretty tough. So, yeah, it was a tough one. Um, there wasn't too much said, but as I said, we were lucky to have a couple of days away from everything and and just do your best to move on. Away from the field, uh, you had some success on the weekend. Yourself and Croaks have got a, a trotter that went around up there in Brisbane and got a victory too. Yeah, it did. Uh, our triple play won a Group Three up in uh, up in Brisbane, so that uh, that put a smile on our faces for a couple of hours. Um, We've got a got a good group of owners in that, and um, including Jared's father and his father-in-law as well. So we, um, you know, it's really exciting that something, as we said, just getting away from rugby league, it, it needs to be done. Otherwise, it can just be too consuming. Um, every time you turn on the radio or, or TV, you'd be talking about referees, and um, if you if you're constantly thinking about that, you, you really um, you just get in too much of a bubble. So the the horses are exciting. We had a, had a great win, and yeah. It's, um, a few more. Just on your footy, Sammy, where do you see yourself now? They always talk about the half needs to have that strong voice. Um, you've had a, a few different incarnations coming back to the club. Where do you see yourself now in regards to controlling the team and being that general? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is you, you need to um, you, you need to have the boys to be happy to be told where to go. You, you really need to have that um, 
have that loud voice and, and if you tell someone to go there, they have to go there. So I'm lucky I, um, I have a good relationship with especially the forwards who so you, you're constantly barking at and they're, they're 30 kilos heavier than you. So if, um, if they're not happy to do something, they don't have to do it. But um, they, all, they all fall into line really well. We've got a, a really good group and it's just important that, that when you're going to be that dominant voice that you, get, you have the respect from the players around that they fall into line and they listen to what you say. So um, I'm comfortable with, with leading this team around and once again we can always be better and I know I can be better in a few areas as well but I think um, you know the, the work we put in through the off season we, we all um, we all worked really well together through the off season and um, that helps when you when you're coming back in and out of the side you guys have got to win every game pretty much to make the finals however um, there is still plenty to play for um, you guys are I mean you personally are playing you're auditioning for a starting spot next year uh, and I'm sure the guys want to try and postpone the start of pre-season training as long as possible so look with six weeks to go the opportunity is still there um, how important is it to just to keep winning it's massive and, and I think the thing is Benny we, we go down to Melbourne and we play Melbourne in Melbourne so if you go down there and that's the task this week if we can go down there and beat them then there's no reason why we can't beat the other sides in the competition as well I know it's a it's a very tight competition and you only have to be off the mark by a little bit to lose but that, that, that road trip's as tough as it comes, so we need to go down there and, and, and really look at this week. And I'm sure if we can go down there and, and happen to get the victory, then we'll take a lot of confidence out of that. And um, this side, the character that's shown, we, we might have lost a few games this year, but it's never been through giving up or, or a poor attitude. We, uh, we, we try to the end, and that'll be no different looking at the rest of the season. On a storm, mate, what's it like running out against blokes like Cam Smith, Billy Slade, especially Cam Smith? Yeah, well, he just dominates that ruck. It is, and uh, um, I had the opportunity to play against Jonathan Thurston the other week as well. And um, these sort of players, they, they do have an aura about them. They're they're the best in the game, and um, Cameron Smith's probably the best hooker that's ever played the game. So it, it, it's a privilege to play against them. But once you get out there, it's it's just another player. You can't you can't think. Um, you can't sit back and admire them or anything like that. You've, you've got to play your game and, and try and be just as um, just as aggressive on, on him as you would of anyone else. So um, it's probably something once once the game, once you've retired and all that, you look back and and you'd be probably pretty happy to say you played against these sort of players. But for the time being, it's um, it's just another player that we, we need to win. We well, can do what Troy Thompson does. You can get his autograph post game. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think um, uh, I was thinking about. Hitting up JT for his shorts there the other week, but we had, he was pretty disappointed, so I didn't think we should do too much about it. It's pretty cold as well. Exactly. Yeah. Finally, Sammy, uh, you've uh, been put forward as the Raiders nomination for the Ken Stephen Medal for your community work. You're obviously an ambassador at Ronald McDonald House here in Canberra, and you've also done some uh, fundraising and work with young Louis Mould, who we had in the sheds, uh, local junior from Cooma, who injured himself um, pretty badly. Uh, we had him in the sheds for the, uh, the Bulldogs game a few weeks ago. Um, how big of an honour for you is that to be nominated for that award? Yeah, it is, Benny. It's a, it's a, um, both of those things are, are awfully related to the community within Canberra and Coomer itself. So um, this is this is home for me. So trying to put back into anything like that, I, I try and do as much as I can. And, you know, I'm, I'm no different to anyone else who's, who does these things off their own bat. I'm just lucky that I'm in a position where I've got a little bit of a profile that it, um, that it gets recognised. But um, I, I'm lucky enough that even with the Ronald McDonald House, we had a lot of people there who go in and cook meals and, and stay the night and look after the families in there. And, and even Louis Mould, there was, um, it was obviously a very tragic in- incident, but the, the way that the, the town of Cooma and, and the people around the Raiders came together to, to try and help him out 
Um, you know, it's just something I'm lucky to be able to, be able to do and help out. Mate, you speak very well, Sammy. What school did you go to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was Greg's, did you? Yeah, well, it was, uh, it's, really? uh, it was the water in Kuma, but no, I spent <laughs> year 11 and 12 up in uh, St. Greg's, but yeah. Mate, you're doing well. Thanks for coming in, mate. All the best, uh, Mr. Storm, and I hope you're hitting well with the boot, mate. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks, mate. On the Behind the Limelight podcast, we present Forever Green. We talk to players from the past that wore the lime green jersey with pride, passion and plenty of courage. Steve Jackson reached out and scored! I didn't think there was any way he was going to make that, but he did! Grant going for the line, Grant scores! Oh, Ricky Stewart! That's rugby league magic! Sikorsky will get away from Peter and score the try! The Raiders, what about their courage? Oh, Mullen! What a day! Daly and Mullen! On the line for the first time for the Forever Green podcast is a, a bloke that uh, more known for his time at the West Tigers, now uh, an assistant coach at the Cowboys. But it all started his NRL career at the mighty Canberra Raiders. I'll speak of uh, the man, Todd Payton. Good day, Toddy. Afternoon. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Let's uh, roll into it. Uh, you're a Tamora boy. You got picked up by the club straight to Erindale. You came through that wave in 1995, 1996 with the likes of Royston Lightning, Ted Simpson, Ben Rowder. These blokes that were just the, the the next internationals, let's just say, coming through the ranks. You were part of it. Uh, how did it come about? How did you get scouted from uh, Tamora to the Raiders? Yeah, so I was playing some schoolboy representing footy. Um, we had a game. I was selected in the Riverina side, and we were playing the South South Coast side. Sorry, um, to be picked in a team. Um, known as the Southern New South Wales, and that that team would go on then to play at Toronto, the annual um, New South Wales Schoolboys Championships, which is still being held in Toronto um, at the moment. Um, yeah, so got scouted, I guess, first seen by the Raiders uh, recruitment officer at the time at that game. Um, from there, I got picked in the New South Wales side and Australian schoolboy side or merit team at under 15 level and um, was approached by a couple of clubs and decided to come to Canberra for the fact that it was pretty close to home um, and they were going pretty well at the time so that's how I ended up there. 96 you mentioned that was your year of year 12 you, mm-hmm. you got called up to play a couple of games of reserve grade and then you made your debut at the age of 16 now do you remember that quite vividly? I I remember being called in. Obviously, I, I played a couple of reserve grade games, and Billy Ake was um, the coach at the time. I remember being called in to, you know, to see Sheenzy and uh, Brian Hyde at the time. Hyde was, I guess, he wasn't quite the doctor, but he was his head trainer, and mm. I had a bit of a shoulder issue at the time, and, um, you know. Uh, Shandy just called Hyde's in the office and said, mate, can you just give me a rundown? He's just complaining. He's got a bit of a sore shoulder. So gave me a bit of a work over, um, you know, and, and Hyde said, look, you know, he could probably play, you know, if it was a semi-final, but given that the kid's only 17, we'll just 
we'll just let him recover for a week. And I thought, well, hold on, what's going on here? And so I found out, obviously, at the end of the meeting that I was in there to get a um, an assessment to see how I was to play first grade that week. Um, you know, the first grade side was going through a bit of an injury crisis at the time, um, a couple of suspensions too. Mm. Um, but I didn't have to wait too long. I got another game. I got my first game, uh, game a couple of weeks later. So, um, yeah, it was all all happened really quick. Um, yeah, some really good memories from that that time in my life. I remember. Well, I think it was must have been around around twenty. So it was late in the year. Um, you know, they had a red hot side over the years in that period of time, and like I said, they had been struck down with injury, um, a couple of suspensions, and you know they'd just gone through a little bit of a lull, lost a couple of games, mm. and um, they were fighting for their spot. You know, within within I don't know, I don't know if it was five or eight then, but Top um, you know, for their, yeah, their semi-finals. Anyway. Um, we're at the hotel in just on the outskirts of Sydney and Steve Wallace calls a, a team meeting without the coaches. And I was sitting in there, so I'm just pretty well had to skip school that day, catch the bus down with all of them. And, you know, Boxhead got the group together and said, look, you know, things aren't going right for us, but we've got four weeks left. Uh, we need to really knuckle down, you know, stick together and we'll find our way out of it. And I was just sitting there like in awe of who was in the room, um, looking around the room, thinking, what the hell am I doing here? I should be, I should be at school. <laughs> anyway, as it w- worked out, we ended up getting rolled um, <laughs> just just on the bill, um, which um, which wasn't great. But, you know, they went on and they won a couple of games in the back end of the year and um, I got another game too that year before the season was over. So, yeah, good, some good times, like I said. Toddy, what was it like uh, being a junior coming through and then running out? Because you played in the middle there. That would have been such a daunting task playing against some of those established daddy hard and front row forwards back in that, being only a young 17-year-old. Yeah, look, I guess at the time you don't really you don't really think about it too much. You know, like, Of course, I was a little bit apprehensive and nervous about how I was going to go, but I wasn't, um, you know, I had some really hardened men around me too, which I know were going to protect me and, and John Lomax and Clinton Ponga. Mm. Um, I remember getting jammed. Um, it was the next year, I think it was in 97. So it was the first year that the big screens had um, been brought to the grounds. There was, mm. a, you know, the big TV screens for replays and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was at um, Belmore Oval and I juggled a pass of Florey and it was up over my head and as I tried to catch it, some of the moment just buried me like mm right in the ribs and he winded the life out of me and I was like gasping for breath on the ground like trying to <laughs> trying to get some wind into me and I, all I could hear was the, the um, you know the crowd watching the replay over and over again just going ooh mm. you know like and then Quentin Ponga come over to me and just put me up and said, mate you get up and don't show these blokes that you're hurting and you know that was a you know a, a really quick way to learn and <laughs> You know, I back my head in the scrum, still gasping for air, and um, yeah, like I said, like those big tough men around me, and you know, had fairly good success in the past couple of years. It was a really good place to be and good place to learn. You mentioned uh, that that Super League era. Of course, uh, you were part of the graduates that went through and played first grade quite a lot in '97. 
What was it like playing with those good players you mentioned, the likes of Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly, Bradley Clyde, Mullows there, Ricky guiding you around, he would have helped you out a fair bit? Yeah, he was great. Um, Ricky and I have a good relationship still. Um, yeah, like I said, like I was just a kid um, for that first 18 months. I, I still had to pinch myself turning up the training. Um, you know, they, they were really good men, really good trainers, uh, really good leaders around the club. So, um, you know, they they... They'd worked really hard over over a number of years to get the club where to where it was. Mm. Um, yeah, they were in the back end of their careers, but you could see the why and how they got there and um, the accolades that they deserved. So um, yeah, it was like I said, it's it was yeah, it was a great time of my life. Then we roll on to the later nineties. You became a, a, one of the first picked in the forward pack there. Laurie Daly had always mentioned, especially in his post-career in the media, mentioned that you were so skillful for a prop forward, Toddy. You had a passing game about you, and it wasn't just one of those ball-playing forwards. You almost he, he he touted you as a halfback playing prop. Yeah, I got. I wouldn't say tarnished with that, but I got stuck with that for a number of years in my career, which is fine. Like I, I, I understand that I wasn't just your bash and barge forward and. I enjoyed the way that Shenzi, um coached me and played the game because he would let me um, use my strengths. Um, I grew up playing a lot of sport in Tamora, you know, basketball, cricket, uh, some other ball skills, uh, ball sports, which um, enhanced that passing side of my game. And, um, yeah, I... I I was a ball playing forward as such. Circa 2002, uh, an emotional time probably for yourself, uh, you moved on from the club. Yeah, it was. Um, I think that was. Yeah, look, I, I was moved on from the club, which I totally understand. I, I you know, got a bit ahead of myself at the time. I was training as um, well as I should have, um, and it took you know that disappointment of leaving the place where I was really happy and established at um, to go to another place, um, which was Ricky was actually coaching, um, and again just learn how to be professional again and. Um, really, like I said, gave me that kick up the ass. Well, that was a good thing for you to, to go back to the Tigers as well, where it all started with Sheensy, uh playing some years under Sheens. Yeah, it was great. Um, again, I was <laughs> let go by the Roosters. They were having salary cut troubles at the time, which is a bit of a um, bit of a joke in itself. Um, you know, um, and, you know, with my experience with Sheensy, he, he got me to the Tigers. I didn't want to leave the Roosters. But, you know, 12 months down the track, you know, we we got it right and we won the comp and we had some good times and got some good years at the, at the club. I, I was there for another 11, I was there for 11, 12 years, you know, in the playing and coaching capacity. So, I like to ask a lot of the, the Raiders players that left, did you, what was it like when you actually came up came up against the Raiders again, whether, whether it was in a Roosters jumper or a Tigers jumper? Was it, yeah, was it weird? Well, it was the first couple of times, but you know, after you're not in the town and club mm. for you know for a year or two, you just get on with things. Um, clubs always change, players always change, so you know it's not long before you know, there's next to no one that, that you knew at the club. So mm. um, yeah, look, I always enjoy going back. You know, I've got my mother down there still. Um, I've got a lot of friends, my wife's family's down there, so. Uh, yeah, I uh, really enjoy the town. I think it's a beautiful city, apart from the weather. You know, it's easy to get around. Um, 
you know. So, yeah, I enjoy going back to Canberra. Toddy Payton, I'll uh, throw you now the, the behind the limelight Forever Green set of six. Mate, what are you doing now for work? Yeah, well, I'm currently an NRL assistant up at the Cowboys. So um, this is my fourth year in town. And um, before that, yeah, I was working as an assistant at the Tigers. What's it like uh, being part of a group with a bloke like Jonathan Thurston there at the helm? Yeah, look, it's an incredible um, group to work with. They work, they, they're very professional. Uh, they work hard. They're a great bunch of guys, um, good human beings in that group, um, led by Jonathan. Um, they're, they're, they're humble. They're unassuming. Um, they're just a joy to coach. So I'm very um, aware of how... How lucky I am at the moment. Todd, 96, what did it mean to you to wear the green jumper, mate? Yeah, look, I grew up, like most rugby league kids, wanting to play first grade. So at the time, um, you know, it meant the world. You know, it was a lifelong dream and being able to pull on the jersey to represent not only, you know, myself but my family and even my town and um, the Canberra region meant a lot to me. So, um yeah, I look back with, with fond memories of my time in Canberra and certainly, um, you know, it's you know it's a great town, like I said. Um, it's a really strong club and I only wish, it, wish you all the best. Uh, if you mentioned uh, some of your favourite memories, what was your favourite memory with the lime green? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's hard to pinpoint one. Um, you know, obviously my debut, um, you know, Playing at the age I did in the team that I did holds a special place in anyone's career. Um, I think you know, you know, a couple of semi-finals. I scored a try in a semi-final down there one one day. Um, you know, Laurie Fernsey Mullo's last game there mm. at Raiders Stadium was a pretty memorable day. Um, yeah, there's plenty. You know, even their last game at the Sydney Footy Stadium was a pretty emotional time. Yeah, oh, actually, yeah, I've got yeah, some got some really good memories. When come to think of it, um, I um, I, I did a promotion in in Wagga with Kevin Neal and Laurie Daly at the time, and we had a, we chartered a flight, just a little small Cessna, and afterwards, um, Kevin goes, "What do you boys should we should we go home or do you want to call in and see mum and dad?" I'm like, "What?" So Kev organised for the for the plane to stop over at June eight. We stopped there for an hour or two, and then we stopped in Zamora for an hour or two to to um to see our respective families, and which I thought was pretty cool. I was only eighteen at the time, um, which yeah, which is mind blowing to be able to do that, and you know, just a little quick little sidetrack there, but um, certainly a really fond memory of you know my time in Canberra. Excellent. Uh, what about if there's a funniest moment you can remember that's uh, that's G-rated? Yeah. Well, we have some funny characters in our side. Um, Especially when your teammates with blokes like Jason Croker, Brett Mullins yeah, and Brett Hetherington. Yeah, Torts Mullows, Heathero, Luke DeVico, that young crew in particular, they were all pretty tight. Um, there's always a lot of Tom Fooley going on. Um, you know, Simon Wolford amongst that. Um yeah, it's hard to hard to put one down that were G rated, but um, <laughs> yeah, we we did a lot of laughing. What about favourite teammate if you had one, and why? I'm not going to say the obvious ones in Laurie and, and Ruben. 
Um, for me, look, I, I lived with Troy Thompson and his family for a couple of years. Mm. Um, so Tomo and I and his family, he, he, he's probably one of my favourite guys I've played with at the Raiders. Um, another one is probably Kenny Nagus. Kenny and mm. I got really well. Um, you know, I, I never got to play with Kenny at his peak, but, you know, I saw how hard he worked. You know, he had bad knees towards the end and just what he went through to get himself right to play every week. And, um, you know, he always did it with a smile on his face and made the guys around him laugh. So, yeah, he was certainly one of my favourites. Todd Payton, in closing, the man that made his debut for the Raiders at 16, grew up and was developed through the Raiders system. If you had any advice for the current-day Raiders players, what would that be? As a former player, you, you want the guys nowadays just to understand what opportunity is in front of them. Um, you want them to enjoy themselves and, and not to take it for granted because it, I guess it doesn't last forever and essentially you've got the best job in the world. You, you, you're playing, you're doing something you love and you're doing it with your mates. So don't waste that opportunity. Work hard. Keep um, turning up for your mate and the more you do that, um, good things will happen so um, that's the best advice I can give them Todd Baton, I can almost feel the warm weather coming through the phone over there <laughs> up there in Townsville thanks for joining us here on the Behind the Lomelight podcast no worries thanks Nick